everyone, I'm your host, Bella Page, and after suffering from post-concussion syndrome for years, it was time to do something about it. So welcome to the Post-Concussion Podcast, where we dig deep into life when it doesn't go back to normal. Be sure to share the podcast and join our support network, Concussion Connect. Let's make this invisible injury become visible. The Post-Concussion Podcast is strictly an information podcast about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. It does not provide nor substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are simply intended to spark discussion about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Welcome to episode number 83 of the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bella Page. So this actually wasn't supposed to be today's episode, considering I'm recording this four days before it comes out, and usually episodes are recorded about six weeks before they come out. So I haven't done a solo mental health episode since episode number eight, which is what I realized today or yesterday, and we're somehow at 83 today, so it seemed like it was really overdue. So here is a warning that this episode is about the dark side of mental health. Not that crying and depression aren't serious in any way, but this is sort of that next step down that dark hole It's the one where you really don't think you're going to make it. So please, if you do need to skip this week's episode, please do. This is here to help create awareness, not make you feel any worse. So if you stop listening now, I just wanted to say I hope you join in in our support groups on Concussion Connect, which you can find through the link in our episode description or at postconcussioninc.com because we're all here for you and I don't want you to forget that. So, this week is always a very hard week for myself. I've talked about warning signs before, and my warning sign for mental health is running. My urge to run this week has been very strong, but I know I can get through it. And if I happen to cry through this episode, it's fine. I'm just going to pause it because <laughs> I cried planning it. So, so, the real reason this episode is today is because of this. So, December 10th. Five days from recording this, four years ago, I was never supposed to make it to December 11th, 2018. Anniversaries can be really tough, crazy difficult, just overwhelming. And even last week's incredible guest, Christabel Braden, shared about how her brain injury anniversary was a challenging time 15 years later, just last week. So it's a week full of a lot of emotions, and in reality, it's kind of scary, happy. It's just, there's a lot. And here are just a few of the things I would have missed if it wasn't for a few people and an incredible ER team. Two nieces, a nephew, 
incredible friendships, learning to ride a dirt bike, as I've talked about here on the show. I am now actually on my local dirt bike communities club hosting events and races because I've become so passionate about it and books I've wrote that haven't been shared but never would have been written, stories that would have never been told. So thankfully this year on the 10th, I have a Christmas gingerbread house making party at a friend's house. Which is wonderful as for me, keeping myself busy can really help when my mental health struggles. The part that is a reality of this is, so my version of a party is like five, ten people. And so these individuals at this party and my friend's house that I'm going to, I actually didn't know four years ago. And I don't know how to explain that. I didn't know them. And it's really tough because they are now some of my closest friends. I talk to them every day. I see them every week if I can. And so it's a very supportive group of loving friends that I never would have met. Some of them don't actually know about what I'm talking about right now. And it's not that they're not good friends and it's just something I haven't shared or it's just never come up. I find some things just need specific moments in time and it's something I don't bring up very often. And so that's the reality of being an attempted suicide survivor. I am grateful for being here, don't get me wrong. But the emotions of still being here can be very challenging. Everyone's situation, of course, is very different. I didn't not want to live. I just didn't want to live the life I was living. And I know it's different for everyone when they deal with those emotions, but they're strong, overwhelming, shake-worthy, vibrating. The pain inside of my stomach and chest when I have had those emotions are kind of outrageous. And if I had known four years ago today that I would be helping people with concussions and brain injuries and survivors and their families get through life on the daily, no longer be in chronic pain, luckily, and be able to read or have a memory for the little things. For example, I can go into a grocery store now without a list and I'll forget a few things, but at least I don't forget why I'm in the store. <laughs> so you really don't know what's around the next corner. And I think that's the terrifying thing. Is it worse or is it better not to know? I don't know, because I know that if I had known this, I probably wouldn't have stepped off that edge and attempted to take my own life. But the only way you're going to find out about the good and the exciting things to come is by taking that next step. And I know I laugh a lot on this podcast. Guests laugh a lot. And I do believe it's important because this can be so, so, so dark. And I also know the best way to help people is to show the dark side and also that you can come out of it. And I've brushed off the suicide comments on the show or kind of hinted at it, but I don't know if I've said the word very often. And I think it's important because four years ago, I was completely done with every aspect of my life. I had no intention to make it to the next day. And if I could explain the feeling before the attempt, 
and the after. It's something I've never done before. I know I've wrote it out. It is in one of the books that are coming a little bit, but it was just my brain felt like it was so full that I couldn't handle thoughts, even good thoughts. Everything was just horrific and being in the hospital bed and having your family come in and not know what to say. So many different reactions from good to bad to crying to happy you're still here. And I think it's fair every emotion that everyone had. And the after was really hard for me because I was really numb for a while. I wouldn't say I was like this grateful, ecstatic person who was like, I'm alive and I should take every minute of life now with like, thanks. I can honestly say I was not like that. I really wasn't. I was just, I didn't know what to feel. So I think it's important to talk about the anniversary is really tough for me because like I said, there's just so many things this year and last year and the few years before that that I never would have experienced. And it's crazy because I always tell people that my life has just been getting better and better. And it has, but I didn't expect it to. I really thought that I was going to be sick for the rest of my life. And it's not saying that I'm not sick. I wouldn't say I'm like 100% healthy. I do go to the doctors and get blood work still pretty frequently, but I don't need to be in therapy all the time. I don't have to stress about getting out of bed every day or be unable to get out of bed. And so my life has changed a lot and for the better, like hikes I've gone on, trips, just days with friends, with family, all these things. And for me, two nieces, a nephew, grow up, I wouldn't have seen it. I actually wouldn't have met three of them. And I think realizing that is really tough because they are such a huge part of my world now. I actually do everything with my one nephew that I can. And we do gymnastics and bowling is his favorite thing right now. Obsessed with bowling. I am not a good bowler, by the way. And so it's just crazy to think I would have missed it. And concussions... My concussion is what did it to me, and I think that's hard too. A lot of people don't realize that it's not CTE that made me take my own life. It was concussions that anybody can get at any time, any place, anywhere. And it's not like I didn't have a supportive family either. My siblings, parents, friends are incredible. And so it didn't make me not feel alone, like I wasn't the only person on the planet living like this. And I really did feel like that. And I really did feel like I just couldn't control any aspect of my life. And I remember bawling to my mom all the time, saying I just wanted to live a life where I didn't have to think every day about managing my health. Or I just wanted to get off that roller coaster I talk about all the time and just go for a walk and not worry about so many things that could happen everywhere I went. I didn't want to have to prepare for every doctor's appointment or every outing of the house or be like, okay, I'm going to do this Saturday. Well, that means Sunday we'll be in bed. And don't get me wrong. I know many of you are still there, but I can also tell you it can get so much better. I just wish I could help you speed up and get there because 
It is a good feeling getting better, but it takes a lot of time. And I'm going to take a really quick break because I need a breather because I'm going to ball my eyes out for a minute. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I have been crying a lot this week, actually. And I think that's just the emotions of being an attempted suicide survivor are a lot like being a concussion survivor. They are all over the place. It's like, I'm grateful. I'm happy. I'm here. I'm ecstatic for what I've been able to create with Post Concussion Inc. and now Concussion Connect, which is like a dream come true. But doesn't mean it's not hard. So I am going to come back with some tips for kind of getting through this or any dark place or anything like that. And also for if you're a survivor's friend, parent, family, partner, child, and sometimes it's good to know what you can do too. So I will be right back. I promise. Cognitive FX is a research-driven clinic that has successfully treated thousands of patients who have long-lasting symptoms from concussions or other brain-related injuries. Cognitive FX has an innovative approach to recovery that uses an advanced fMRI scan to map the function in your brain. Treatment at Cognitive FX takes five days to complete and uses your fMRI scan as a guide and baseline to ensure that your treatment is personalized and effective. This means that you won't need to schedule and keep track of multiple specialists, locations, dates, times, or therapies because it will all be prepared for you when you arrive. Once you've completed their treatment, you receive a personalized at-home plan to continue your recovery and gain access to their online patient portal that has instructional videos and resources for your continued recovery. Conveniently, Cognitive FX also offers free consultations so both you and the doctors can ensure that treatment is a good choice for you and your injury. Visit their website at CognitiveFXUSA.com. Don't delay your recovery any longer. Find solutions at CognitiveFX today. Welcome back to the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bella Page. And just a reminder that this is a darker episode. And I'm sorry that it's like this. Like, I kind of feel bad that it's so depressing sounding, but I also think it's really important because I think if I listen to another girl or guy or anyone just kind of say that they did take that step and life got better, I think it would have maybe prevented me from taking it in the first place. And I think that's really important. And this is actually something that's I don't like using the word suicide, and I feel like I should be okay with it. Like today, actually, a few hours ago, I was crying. And if you have Snapchat, you know that you can send pictures back and forth to each other. And I sent a picture to a few of my girlfriends, and one of them was like, okay, you're not okay. Like, you kind of look upset. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, what is it? And I said, well, it's just a really bad anniversary week. And they said, anniversary four. And I said, you know, that I don't want to live anymore. Take my life away. Don't wake up anniversary. But I didn't just say suicide. And I think it's because I really don't like the word, number one. And I think it's because it was such a hard moment in my life that going back there is really tough or 
when you say the word to others, sometimes the reaction is not the greatest. And so I do want to give some tips for people who are in that dark place. My first recommendation is always talk therapy. It's always going to be there just because I really do think it can help you. I like how our support groups can help you talking to someone, even if it's just for a minute, can really make a difference because you can bottle it up for a really long time and then think you're okay and then the cap comes off because that's what happened to me. And I have talked about this on the podcast before and I like to call it make toast and this is because of my best friend and my best friend saved my life one time from a, I guess, pre-suicide attempt moment in my life. And I FaceTimed her, or she FaceTimed me because I wasn't answering. And I was bawling and shaking. And she was like, get up, make toast, like, let's go. And I was like, I don't want to get up, make toast. Like, I can't eat. Like, I don't eat when I'm really stressed. And she was like, come on, let's go make some toast. And it's crazy because by the time I was done making a piece of toast that I was not going to eat, I actually felt a lot better. And it just managed to help me calm down all the monsters and terrible thoughts and all that. And so make some toast, get up and move. And I know that can be really hard when you're dealing with chronic pain and symptoms, but even if it is just making toast or some soup that you're never going to eat. Or if you have a dog, let's teach your dog a new trick right now because it gets you moving and gets your brain onto something else. And of course, there's tons of mindfulness tricks I can list, and we've talked about them on the podcast before, but try those too. And some tips for other people. So this is tough because everyone's situation is so different. Like my mom asked me if I was okay that week. She was really worried because I know I wasn't myself. And so did my older sister, actually. She texted me that day or the night before. And I remember lying and telling her that I was okay and that she didn't need to worry about me. And I still feel really guilty for that because I know that if I told her, she probably would have done everything she could in her power to kind of save me and yeah so ask the questions make the phone calls show up at their house I once had my girlfriend just show up at my house and I'm saying this because I had severe depression for years a very long time and I do have two friends that know a lot about it and one of them was like I'm just coming over you don't have a choice like I'll break down your window I will break down the door I will sit outside the door, but you're not allowed to be alone and I'm coming. And you know what? Your friend might hate you in that moment, but I promise you they will love you later. <laughs> and so who said you have to do anything? You just have to be there for them. Or sometimes if they need someone to talk to, help them find that person because finding a therapist is a lot harder than it seems. And sometimes we need help doing that. So don't be afraid to do that. And so there it is. By reality, I guess. Four years ago, I would have never experienced four years of my life. And 
the scary part is, is that these have been the best years of my life. And I don't like to have any regrets. And of course, I wish I never got to that dark place that I did. But I also know that all of this came out of some of that. And being here talking on the podcast and sharing all of this with you has been very hard. <laughs> this is probably the hardest episode I've ever done, honestly. And it's not even like I got that into it <laughs> because I think some things just are best left to the imagination. If you really want to hear about all of it, then join Concussion Connect because pretty open book there, even more open book than the podcast. But that is the reality of being an attempted suicide survivor and everyone's situation will be so different. And I promise you, it's not worth it. There's so much to life and so much to the future. And you have no idea what's around that next corner. So if you do have more questions, please send me a message. Please remember that all you have to do every day is breathe. And who cares if you spent a week on a couch watching Netflix or a month in a dark room, you're still breathing. And that means you are just as important as everybody else. So I'm always here. Don't forget, I love you all way more than you could ever imagine. And that's it for today. And I can't wait to see what the future brings for each and every single one of you. Need more than just this podcast? Be sure to check out our website, postconcussioninc.com to see how we can help you in your post-concussion life. From a support network to one-on-one coaching, I believe life can get better because I've lived through it. Make sure you take it one day at a time.